Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Good morning, City Life family. My name is Jazz. And for those that don't know me, and since I don't speak as often, I just want to share a little bit about myself. Um, so yeah, my name is Jazz Austin Santiago Narciso. That is my full name. Added a little bit of accent there to just make it sound cooler. Um, and yeah, so I'm not from Canada. I'm originally from the Philippines. I moved here when I was in, in February 2009, actually, which was middle of winter. You go from 32 degrees to negative 32 degrees, and snow was fun for two days. Then after that, I was over it. And to this day, I'm still over it. And when I saw snow this morning, I was like, Lord, why Alberta? But that's the reason. But yeah, so I was invited to come to church at 17 by a family friend of ours. And since then, I have loved coming to City Life Church. I've loved being part of this family. And since then, I've been serving in our uh, Voltage team, our tech team, as well as our City Life youth team, which is by far one of my favorite crew. I just have the most fun teens ever. They are really funny most of the time. <laughs> um, and so since I'm talking about CLY, I just want to invite, if there's any teens in here who have not gone on a Wednesday night yet, this is my invitation to you because right now we are having one of the most fun curriculums as we are talking about Christian sexuality. Ooh, that is quite the topic. And so, yeah, and if you're a parent here, uh, we're talking about sex, gender, marriage, at, and it's good to know at such a young age because honestly, if they're not learning about it by the way God says or what God thinks about it, then they're learning about it the way the world talks about it. So come, it is one of the most healthiest places to talk about Christian sexuality, and you can talk to me or Melissa or even guest services after for more info. Okay. That's my little CLY plug. Now, we're going into the message. So, we are, co going, we are continuing our series on Jesus is. And if you've been here for a couple of weeks, we are going through what Jesus' uh, declaration of I am. And so, in the past few weeks, we've had the bread of life, light of the world, and getting good shepherd. And this morning, we are talking about Jesus being the vine. When I told my brother about that I'm going to be talking about the vine, he's like, divine? is like D-I-V-I-N-E. It's like, wow, no. Um, we're talking about the vine, V-I-N-E. That's it. So the last I am mentioned in John 15 is the vine. And when I first saw that I was assigned to preach about the vine, I was like, man, I do not know anything about plants. I am, I am not a plant mom, nor do I garden ever. A plant mom. Plant moms are a thing now. Yeah. And so, but then I was like, you know, Lord, we don't need any of that. We don't need that knowledge to understand what you're doing. So, a little context before we read into John 15. So, John 14 to 17 covers the event of the Last Supper, which I'm sure a lot of people know about the Last Supper. And so, this is the, the divine, the divine uh, I am that Jesus declares this is the last divide before he was betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. So a lot of the things that Jesus says around this time is pretty, pretty it holds a lot of weight, you know? And so it's like if, you're, if it's your last conversations with the, with the people that you love, you want something that means a lot, 
right? And so in John 15, Jesus' last I am is the declaration that he is the true vine. An encouragement and a reminder to his disciples to stay connected to not only his teachings, because we know that we can know Jesus, but sometimes we don't always follow everything that Jesus is. So not only be connected to his teachings, but also to their relationship with him, even when he's gone. So let's read John 15. So John 15, verse 1 to 8, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in you and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, there was a lot of remain in me and I remain in you, which I really like because he has such a good flow. I almost put in a, if I was a rapper, I would put that in a bar. <laughs> but, um, but the main point that Jesus drives from this scripture is that he is the true vine, right? Pretty simple, easy to know. He's the source of life and that God the Father is the gardener. And in some translations of the Bible, it is said that God is the vine dresser, the one that tends and prunes the vine for it to be more fruitful. See, I am no botany or plant expert, since I am not a plant mom. Um, so, the dev so I searched up a couple things. So I researched a couple things. So I researched what a vine is and what its function. I researched what pruning means, because I've never heard of that word. Um, <laughs> until I read my Bible, obviously. Come on, guys. Um, and, and I searched it up because that's God's role in the garden there. And so the dictionary definition of a vine is that it's a plant whose stem requires support and which climbs by tendrils or twining or creeps along the ground. So basically, it also connects everything together, right? And its function is that it provides water and nutrients to the branches so it can allow it to bear fruit. So the vine pumps life into the branches to bear fruit. And then lastly, the last one is pruning. So pruning means removing the dead, diseased, and injured parts of a tree to maximize growth and aesthetic qualities. But more importantly, pruning enhances the ability of its branches to bear fruit. So back in the Old Testament, the vine actually was used to represent Israel. And for those that don't know, Israel is like God's chosen people in the Old Testament. The vine represented the productivity of Israel as God's chosen people, how they were called to produce the fruit that reflects God's character to other nations. However, Israel is a bit of a problem child sometimes. And so Israel more often strayed from the Lord and took on their own path, right? They became a wild vine, and with this, Israel was time and time again taken over by many other nations. If you've read all of Old Testament, um, they were taken over over and over again because they didn't have God to sustain the strength of them. And in Jeremiah 2.21, it says, I had planted you like a choice, a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? See, this was a pattern with Israel. Um, they, would, they would stray, get into trouble, 
and God will, they'll ask God for help and God will deliver them. And then for a little bit, they will grow again and they're connected to God. And then again, they will stray. And they would grow for a bit, stray again. And then that's why God called them a wild vine. And when I was reading that, I was like, man, why is Israel like not the smartest people in the world? You have God there with you. And yet again, you sin, you do these things, you commit idolatry and all these things. And then from the reader's perspective, you're like, man, Israel, so dense. Come on, you should know. Like, you should know at this point. And then I kept reading it, and I was like, oh, come on, Jazz, you should know. All the time. It's just like, you're Israel in this moment. So that's the thing, though, right? A lot of Israel did is like whatever they wanted. Whatever it felt right for them at the time, they wanted to follow things that wasn't God. However, in the New Testament, Jesus flips the whole narrative. Jesus becomes the true vine. He says, and so he, he says that I am the true vine. And so what ended up happening was when Jesus represented the true vine, he followed the will of the Father above his own until the day he was crucified. And that was one of the things that hit me as well. It's like, could you imagine if God just kind of, or if Jesus at the end of his life just decided, like, I'm not doing this, Right? And you're just like, well, there's no salvation for anybody. There's no way for us to be connected into a relationship with God because Jesus just decided, I can't do this. And so, but that's not what happened. And so that's the beauty of the scripture too. It's like Jesus followed all the way through. He was the true vine. He was the source. And so Jesus takes on the identity of the true vine that is working in tandem with the Father as the vine dresser to give life to its branches. Jesus saying, I am the true vine is exactly as he says it. He is what allows us to be able to bear the good fruit, and the fruit as it relates to us is also fruit of the Spirit, as mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Every Voltage kid knows that, you guys. They are so smart and wise. So Jesus is saying he's the source of life. He's the provider of the nutrients necessary to sustain a fruitful life. He's the living water, the bread of life, the one that fills that spiritual emptiness that a lot of us have felt too. And so, and more importantly, he's the, the way to everlasting life and our salvation. By using this metaphor of the vine and God as the vine dresser, Jesus is painting a very clear image. Without him, the branches cannot bear fruit and it cannot tr- thrive. He says that, and it dies and withers away. And without God to prune and be the vine dresser, the branches grow fruit without direction. And they become dead limbs that saps nutrients for the rest of the tree. And sometimes they just grow foliage, but no fruit. And from our eyes, the foliage can sometimes look really good, right? Like you'll see a tree, lots of leaves, and it's all green, and it looks healthy. It looks great. But sometimes those things can take away from the fruit. And in the same way, this applies to our walk with Christ. Without Jesus, we cannot lead a life that bears the fruit of the Spirit or even receive salvation. And without God to show us the sins hidden in our lives, you might just look like good foliage, but no fruit. And so sometimes there may be areas in our lives that need pruning and are draining us from the love, joy, and peace that we could be experiencing in our relationship with God. But in regards to pruning, I'm not just talking about the removal of things that we know are obvious are sin. You know, but sometimes God also takes away things that doesn't seem like it. You know, sometimes God even takes away the things that seem good. Sometimes it's like ambitions. Maybe you've got careers and goals in your life and you're just like, man, 
everything is going so well, but then you look at behind you, it's like, where's your relationship with God? Everything else has left behind people around you, and you're not even in a relationship with God sometimes anymore. And ambition and careers are not a bad thing, but sometimes they can be a distraction. And even the same with relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. Oh, we know, right? And so it's just like sometimes that can also be a distraction. And so sometimes you follow certain things in your life and you don't look back and you don't realize that you're no longer connected with God. Which leads me to a question, because honestly, ultimately, being connected with God is what allows us to have that level of fulfillment in our life. And so my question for everybody is, in this season of your life, and I'm talking this specific season of your life, how deeply connected are you in Christ? Do you allow God to be the biggest influence in your life? Do you allow God's authority to be a bigger authority than your own authority in your own life? And how sure are you that he is the biggest source and influence over your life? And if you said, I am a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, I represent them in my personal life, I read my Bible, I pray all the time, and I even represent them in my workplace, I share the gospel to all my coworkers, then I say, keep home, brother and sister, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well done. But to those who aren't completely sure, I ask you again, in this season of your life, how deeply connected are you in Jesus, and how sure are you that he is the biggest source and influence over your life? I ask this question not to shake your faith, but to clarify it. Because trust me, sometimes I even forget divine I'm connected to as well. Sometimes my relationship with Jesus takes a backseat in whatever else is going on in my life. And I don't realize that I'm running on my own strength and not his. So there was this season in my life during um, Bible college where I did two years of Bible college in Red Deer and I was on fire for God. I would pray every day, I would study, meditate, I would memorize the Bible, and I was like, I want to be like David. I want to keep the, God's Word close to my heart. And that was it. I read, studied, memorized, and meditated on the Word of God daily. I prayed, worshiped, and listened to every Francis Chan and Stephen Furtick sermon there was. There was even a point where I was like, hold up, Stephen Furtick's really Jack. Can I be Jack to you? And then, and then I was like, Maybe not, because I have a lot of things on my plate already, and why build physical muscles when you can build spiritual ones, right? <laughs> Somebody invited me in CrossFit that one time, too. I was like, why do CrossFit when you can just be fit for the cross? And I was like, that's it. So I was like, <laughs> I was like well, it's like, I have the Lord. You have CrossFit. Great for you. And to those who cheered, amen, my fellow lazy brothers and sisters. <laughs> But that was it. Anyways, um, in Bible college, so I served in every capacity I could in conferences, youth nights, and Sunday mornings. I was so connected to God, and I felt so much joy and fulfillment in everything that I was doing. It was amazing. And then, after Bible college, I graduated, got into a relationship, started working night shifts, and then a pandemic hit. So slowly, the focus on having Jesus in the center of everything, the biggest influence in everything, became the bottom, you know? It's like, he became the center of everything, and I went from studying, meditating, and memorizing the Word of God to barely reading the verse of the day. I went from praying daily to praying whenever I needed Him. I went from um, loving, serving, to coming to church, dreading to serve, because I was tired from the night shifts before. 
And I went from having Jesus as the, the main priority in my life to having my romantic relationship above him. And so that was one of the hardest things. And being isolated during the time of the pandemic, man, it was so easy to hide a lot of things that you were struggling with. And it was so easy because you didn't have the people to keep you accountable in certain things of your life. And during this season, I was a branch that felt so disconnected. I was looking for the vine. And I was a vine, I was a branch that needed to be pruned. I said, I was a follower of Jesus, but none of the things in my life represented that. I, was, I said I was a follower of Jesus, but I didn't know God in that season. And so, and it got to a point where I felt so exhausted. I felt selfish and shameful, and even hypocrisy I felt because of, it's like, man, I say I follow God, but none of the things that I did bore the fruit of it, you know? And so it came up to a point where I went and saw one of our pastors, and I cried and confessed, and I was like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. And they just listened to me the whole time, and he, the pastor asked, he said, it's like, Jazz, if you had to choose, would you choose this, meaning my own desires, my own desire to have my own life or think what's best for me, or Jesus? Who would you choose, you or Jesus? And I told this pastor, I said, I would choose me. And it wasn't until a month later that I really chose Jesus again because I was like, man, I am having a hard time surrendering this area of my life. But I felt empty without Jesus. And there was no joy or purpose in anything I was doing and everything felt the same and mundane. And then I came to a realization that I cannot find fulfillment anything outside of God. And from then on, I spent a lot of time trying to get right with Jesus again and, from spent, and spending time in his word again. The joy, the peace, and all the other things came back, and I felt whole again. I spent a whole year disconnected from God, choosing what I wanted over him, and it drained me. And I don't ever want that again. So now, we work towards having Jesus as the main source again. And so I ask the question, in this season in your life, how deeply connected are you in Jesus Christ? And how sure are you that he's the biggest source and influence over your life? Not to shake your faith but to clarify and encourage you to assess your branch again and see if you're truly living a life for God or are you living it on your own? Because it is so easy to fall into a trap thinking you are drawing nutrients from Jesus when in reality you're just by yourself. And so it is important that we learn to how to, how to differentiate our own self-made vine and the true vine that is Jesus. Because over my lifetime of following Jesus, just like post-Bible college jobs, there are others who may be struggling with the same thing who have strayed and slowly detached from their faith with God, but declare themselves as a follower of Jesus. There are people that say they follow Jesus, but they don't bear the fruit of it. Like, how can you love God and act in the complete opposite of his character? You know? And there are people who say they love Jesus, but deliberately choose a specific sin they can't get over with, and they can't live without and refuse to give it to God. How can you say you love God, most importantly, when you can't even surrender this part of your life? You know? And... There are people who say they are connected to God but are indifferent to other people. How can you be full of God but no love for other people when Jesus literally came on this earth to save the ones that he loved? And there are people that say they have a deep relationship with God but he's at the bottom of their priority list. And again, I ask these questions and make these statements not to shake your faith but to clarify how deeply and you are actually rooted in God because honestly, these things are things I've struggled to. And if you're sitting here today and one of those statements made you question, whoa, maybe this is me right now. I want to encourage you. This is a wake-up moment. 
because we have a God who is gracious, forgiving, and loving God. We have a God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if you're sitting here today and you're feeling shameful, you're feeling guilt, you're feeling a certain things in your life, God is calling you, come reconnect with me. Come remain in me as I remain in you. Come and let me take on that burden for you. God is asking us because he chose us. In John 15, 16, he says, you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last forever, forever and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so, and if you're a season of your life, again, struggling with these things, I want to encourage you. You are not as far off as you think. God is waiting for you. God is asking, he's like, come and lay this down on me. And in John 15, 6, oh, actually, in John 15, 6, it says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And honestly, that's the only way that you can really be disconnected from God, because God is continually pursuing you. To say no to him continuously, that's pretty much it. But if you're here today and you're like, I want God, I want to follow God, then he is there. And so to define it again, and so, yeah, so for those who still seek God and seek Jesus in their life. Um, another thing that happens sometimes is sometimes you struggle when you choose to follow J Jesus, right? It's like when you choose to follow Jesus, things just seem to be a lot harder. And however, I just want to encourage you, maybe the reason why it's hard is sometimes it's because we're being pruned, you know? Being pruned, to define it again, is the removal of the dead, disease, and injured parts of the tree to maximize growth and aesthetic qualities. And when you choose to remain and follow Jesus, then God comes and prunes. He prunes the areas of your life that withhold you from pursuing your purpose and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. So in youth, again, one of my favorite crews, I lead the grade 10 to 12 senior high boys, some of the funniest kids I've met. I love leading and talking to them. I love hanging out with them and playing card games with them once in a while. And so one... They, we were hanging out here, and one of the youth asked, is like, hey, Jazz, why does it seem like life became harder when I started following Jesus? I was like, why does it seem so much harder? And being the wise leader that I am, <laughs> I gave him um, a couple of things. I was able to answer it really well, actually. <laughs> um, it came out right and easy to understand. But in my head, I had this analogy. Um, so have you guys ever been in a dirty and messy house? Yeah? Sometimes to, the <laughs> sometimes to the person, they are oblivious of all the mess around them. They have clutter on the floor. They haven't vacuumed the carpet in months. They have stains on the wall. And in the worst case scenario, this happened before, there was a smell, you know? <laughs> However, the person that lives in that, sometimes they're comfortable and it's fine, it's normal right? They don't see it as a mess. They see it as their organized chaos. <laughs> However, one day they invite you to hang out with them and you see it. And hopefully, as a good friend, I hope you let them know that their house might be in need of some cleaning. Um, however, when you do do that, if you are a good friend and you let them know that their house needs cleaning, the moment you made them aware of this, your friend has two options. Two options. They can choose to live life the same as it was before, organized chaos, but you probably won't be coming around and hanging out there. Or they can choose to clean up, which will take a lot of work, but you're there to help them out, right? 
And when you're done taking out the garbages, vacuuming the carpet, and organizing the room, not only did you teach them about cleanliness, but you're also able to hang out with them after. But also, now they have to kind of, they learn how to, they need to learn how to maintain that, which is the hard part, right? And in the same way, before we say yes to Jesus, we are unaware of the clutter of sins that are in our lives, right? We live a life doing whatever we want, however we want, and as guilt-free as we want. We do things that are normal to this world, and we are unaware of how negatively it has been infecting our life, as well as the relationships that we are missing out on because we can't clean our own rooms. But the moment that you choose to follow Jesus, you become aware of this, right? And this is why it's sometimes hard to follow Jesus after saying yes to him. It's because you become aware of all of the crap and the sins in your life. You recognize the part of your life that brings shame, guilt, pride, anger, and even indifference towards other people. This is what makes it hard to follow Jesus after saying to him, God is a good friend that will show you the things that you need to work on. He is a good friend that will teach you how to manage certain things in your life a lot better than you did before. Instead of living in organized chaos, maybe he's calling you out to just living organized. And so, and so it's hard because, and sometimes it's hard not because of what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus because of our own reluctance to let it go. And I know every single person in here have that one thing in their life that is just like, I can't give this up. And sometimes that's, why, that's what makes it harder. So God, he, he just shows everything. So spiritual pruning is hard and sometimes painful, not because God wants to make it painful so you learn your lesson. He's not that God. It's hard because of our own reluctance to surrender whatever it is that inhibits our spiritual growth. And when you do surrender, it is followed by a lot of work to you. You start changing habits, ways of thinking, giving up things you used to think was good for you but was merely a distraction. This is the pruning season. This is God removing areas of your life that hinders your growth, both seemingly good and the bad, whether it be relationships, ambitions, careers, and feelings. God prunes so that you and I can bear the fruit of the Spirit more freely and represent Him to those around us. In John 15, 2, He says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit does bear fruit. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I just want to emphasize on that because there are a lot of people in here who are bearing fruit but feels like life is still against them. Maybe that's because God is pushing you to be further. And so it's pushing you to be more fruitful. Now, we know what the true vine means and that that is Jesus. Now, the question is, is like, how do we manage that? How do we stay following God? How do we stay in his word, how do we stay knowing that God is the true vine without straying from who he is? And as I am almost done this message, I have two practical filters you can use to discern if you're still connected to the true vine as you go on. So one, this is an external filter, meaning it's a filter that reflects how you are and in your interaction with people on a day-to-day -day basis. So using Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, again, as a baseline, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Memorize that as much as Voltage Kid memorizes it, okay? <laughs> this filter involves the fruit of the Spirit to act as a guide to reflect how you have produced these fruits in your day-to-day -day living. So use this as almost like a scale, where it's like, am I struggling with kindness? Am I lacking 
uh, self-control? Am I lacking gentleness? Using these fruits as a scale on which areas of your life needs work on, it will help you grow in your relationship with other people, but also know which areas of your life needs work. Right? This is very practical. And so it's like, you remember Galatians 5. Okay, it's like, man, I am struggling with self-control right now. Man, I'm struggling with kindness right now. Ooh, I am struggling with forgiveness or patience or anything like that. And then you can go and see, it's like, okay, what can we do here? How can I be more kind? How can I be more self-control? Are there things in my life that is distracting me from having the self-control that I need? Or maybe there are temptations in your life that you need to work on. And so this scale actually allows you to see parts of your life that sometimes you won't be able to see. I don't think about kindness all the time. Sometimes I'm too sarcastic to think about kindness. (laughs) And so, yeah, and then this next one. It's an internal filter, meaning it's a filter for self-reflection on how you navigate your mindset and influence your habits. Using Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9 as a baseline, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. In the book, Live No Lie, it is mentioned that in order to overcome negative thoughts and the devil's lies, you need to choose to not think about them. But that's hard, right? You can't just think about nothing. So you replace such thoughts instead with the opposing truth, which is God's truth, creating new neural pathways of thinking. This filter is where you lean into God's word more every day. Not just reading the Bible, but studying it, meditating on it, and memorizing certain parts of the Bible, and holding that word closer to your heart every single day. That is leaning into God. And with this, you can create a habit of filtering thoughts through God's truth first before believing it. Is this, is this honest? Is this trustworthy? Is this lovely? Is this noble? Is this right? Those are things because there are times when the enemy will fight so hard to get into your head to distract you from your relationship with God. And more often than not, if I didn't have these truths in me, I would fall right easy because sometimes it is so hard to follow. It's so hard to battle in there sometimes. But Filtering it and asking whatever it is right, pure, lovely, and admirable, or praiseworthy, and bringing it to God, that is what's important to you. This filter will set boundaries within your pattern of thinking to recognize thoughts that might lead to actionable sin and replace it with whatever is good, noble, admirable, and praiseworthy. And yeah, so those are the two filters, the external filter and the internal filter that I call Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, and Philippians 4, 8 to 9. Because as we walk this journey with Christ, one of the things I just want to encourage us in this reminding ourselves that God is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. He's the one that we carry on. He's, it's his mission that we carry on, not ours. And in this church, we say, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and carry on the mission of Jesus to this world. But if you can't even be with Jesus, then whose mission are you carrying? And so right now, I just want to encourage us to stand up as I end this message. I just want us to remember, it is God who gives us the strength that we need day to day. 
and it is God who shows us the things in our lives that we need to work on. And being with Jesus is different from just knowing Jesus. Being with Jesus means living out the life that He lives, living out the life that allows us to bear His fruit and not our own. And so, yeah, and so I just want to pray as we close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm going to pray a closing prayer and pray that God is just here for us. And God, I just want to thank you that you are who you are. I just want to thank you that you are the God that we get to worship, that we get to be in a relationship with, and you have blessed us in so many ways. And right now, as we follow you and as we say yes to the things that you want in our lives, Lord, may we just surrender the areas in our life that, are, that we are holding above you. And we are allowing it to just be burnt away and that you take over our hearts. Fill us with the Holy Spirit to remain in you. And right now, as we pray, I just want to encourage um, a prayer for people who want to say yes to Jesus. So I would love us to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, thank you for all that you are. Thank you, you're the true vine. And I am seeking you. I say yes to you. I say yes to your mission. And I say yes to whatever else it is that you want in my life. And yeah, thank you, God, for everything you're doing in us and through us. And as we carry on this mission, God, may you give us the level of patience and all the fruits of the Spirit, as well as the way to think, Lord, to be able to say, hey, this is my God, and I want to represent him all throughout. Thank you, God, so much for everything that you're doing in us and through us. And may you use us as vessels to represent who you are out there and be the fruit of the Spirit and be able to show that to everyone else. And God, thank you for growing us in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say, Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.